It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Happy Mother's Day weekend to all of you. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, and yeah, this is Justin Ferguson. Over here, Painter Sharpless over there. Painter, we have uh, we, we did one show in person back together again, and it was like, that's enough. We're, we're going back to remotes again. <laughs> no, you're on the road. You're on the road this weekend. On remote in uh, the lovely area of Ohachi, Gadsden, Rainbow City, however you want to dice right. that up. Some ambiance. You're going to get some birds in the background with Painter today. He's working He's working overtime. He is podcasting uh, from, from a porch somewhere. Shout out to uh, the McCartneys. Shout out to John and John for getting me over here. We've, we've done a number on them this morning, but we're going to make this work. We're bringing you, uh, we're bringing you that, that, that good, that uncut, pure observer from the porch. <laughs> observer from the porch. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, for any of you guys who listen to uh, the Shutdown Fullcast, you know, they, they always have a... Jason always has ambiance going on in the background. There's always birds or bugs or some sort of Georgia wildlife back there. So we're, we're going to try to copy that style here today. I am boring. I am sitting in my apartment. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a bird will fly by or something like that. Uh, we've got a, a few things to discuss today. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening. Um this upcoming week should be a very interesting one uh, for Auburn. There's some uh, there's some transfer targets who could be close to be making a decision. Always got to look out and see if there are going to be any others uh, entering the portal from Auburn. And, uh, yeah, early next week, Brian Harson's supposed to hit the road uh, with this first of the, the alumni club tours, uh, something that we didn't have any uh, access to last year and so i think he's going to be in birmingham on tuesday so there might be some new stuff to talk about here and write about uh next week so uh keep it locked in right here until then let us talk about some things that uh, have transpired over the last few days and look ahead to a couple things coming up here in the future our guy got a um, head start on that uh on that trail with old barkley and Bo and alan green yeah. you know so he's getting he's warming up so Harson, Harson, and uh, and the gang up there at uh, in Birmingham at Greystone with the uh, with uh, the regions, uh, you know, the pro am that they have up there. Uh, the big takeaway for me from that is well, actually there were two there were two things that uh, point that that were pointed out. Number one, Charles Barkley can play golf now. Like he hit a shot on uh, you know there was a video of it before it got taken down of him just absolutely striping the ball. Uh, on the first tee, uh, and, just having uh, a functional it, golf swing is an improvement. But you're right; the shot itself actually did look solid. That was our boy. That was our boy Drew uh, up up there and up there. In, nice uh, guy, in Birmingham. Yeah, very nice guy. Um, one of the one of the TV people that that I like. And if you know me, there's not very many of you. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, and the PGA Tour made them take down the video. Very cool of them to do that. Yeah. Very cool but, of yeah. them to do that. Number one, Barkley um, striping the ball on the fairway, it looking like he's changed his swing. If you if you're rich and you got famous friends, they can help you find somebody who can teach you how to play golf better. So shout out to Charles Barkley for that. Number two. Somebody pointing out something very interesting. Uh, I believe this was Josh Black, friend of the program, uh, tweeting about this. Let me look it up to make sure um, I have it correct. Um, he was pointing out that there were there were these pictures coming up from. Uh, yes, this was a, it was a picture that Josh Vitale tweeted 
of Barkley, Harson, and Bo Jackson um, standing next to or standing next to each other. Uh, you know, it was a Todd Van Amp's photo that that we got from from the event. And Josh pointed out, Josh Black, I should say, from Josh Vitale's photo uh, that he tweeted that. This picture shows that Auburn should be a Nike school. And here, here's the reason. The picture, and podcasting is a visual medium, like we say. The picture, Charles Barkley is wearing a like a gray and black Nike polo. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and Bo's wearing, it looks like a Nike hat, and I'm sure that's a Nike polo he's wearing as well. And uh, Brian Harson is uh, is is wearing his Auburn Under Armour stuff. Uh, Barkley has a okay. All right, I'm just noticing this in this picture. You want to talk about just next level here? Barkley has a Air Jordan golf glove, which I didn't even know they made. So that's that's next level there. Um, but here here are these guys. Um, and if you read the mailbag on Friday, the, if for subscribers, you know here are these guys. You know if you're making a route about a Mount Rushmore of Auburn athletes Auburn athletic figures Barkley and Bo are unquestionably up top there you know number one and number two you would say uh in no particular order and here these guys are wearing Nike stuff because that's what they have to do and you know they can't you know with their contracts that they still have and stuff like that they're not going to wear Under Armour stuff they're not going to wear stuff with Auburn on it and it makes me wonder when this contract goes out uh, in the in the next few years, or maybe even earlier, we've seen Under Armour get out of some deals with some with some other schools, or and vice versa. Would Auburn make a move to Nike because you've got several of your most famous athletes who were wearing Nike stuff now? I mean, and then even a, a more recent example, um, uh, Anthony Schwartz, after getting drafted last week, signed it or right before I think um, around draft time, signing his own uh, endorsement deal with Nike. Yeah, I guess two things on that front. One, Alan Green seems to have had his finger on the pulse of a number of, of different areas, and I would say I think he is probably aware that Under Armour is not exactly the most popular brand in the world, right? I think a lot of us are. It doesn't take someone that's all that savvy to have figured that part out. And also the fan base is tired of it, and he is not a part of this group that had any sort of tie to Under Armour over the past 10 or 15 years. So it does seem like there could be a logical endpoint. Dear God, I hope so. Yeah, and, you know, Josh pointing out on uh, on Twitter, uh, Josh Black pointed out, he's like, our two most marketable athletes of all time cannot represent us because we're stuck in Kevin Plank's disastrous experiment of setting money on fire. And it's like that, the Under Armour gamble, the gambit, were, did not work out for Under Armour. Now, Auburn has one of the more higher end um, contracts in all of college, you know, college sports. That you know, Under Armour paid big money um, to land Auburn when they got him out of the Russell deal, you know, in the mid two thousands. Um, you know, and 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 I believe if I'm if I'm correct, Auburn was like the second school that the that Under uh, that Under Armour got after the University of Maryland, which is of course uh, their founder's uh, alma mater. And where they're headquartered at, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always thought about this. You know, moving forward, is Nike would would it would they be a Nike school? And that seems to make the most sense. We've talked about it in the past about how much that affects basketball recruiting. I think Bruce Pearl has done 
a really good job managing around that uh, and, and whatever um, obstacles that you get from the AAU circuit and the shoe deals that come from there from within. Whereas I'm not going to name names here, but maybe if certain particular coach um, for Auburn basketball in the past uh, might have used that as an excuse in recruiting. Yeah, it might might just turn out that my guy was, you know, maybe a little lackadaisical. But sure, I don't yeah. disagree with the sentiment that it is certainly an extra selling point for players yeah, to play it, for it, a Nike school. This is true, but... It is refreshing to see someone come in immediately after that person and take the school to new heights. Yeah, and I've seen there was an argument I've seen some people make in the past. Was like, well, would would Nike want, or you know, would anybody want you know be the same one as you know, Alabama's one of Nike's big schools? And it's like, would they get Auburn and Alabama in the same school? It's like, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Florida's now a Jordan school, so that's that's kind of a little off there, but Florida, Florida State. Um, of course, Carolina and Duke, a very, very big example of rivals. Not in the same state, but, um, you know, Michigan and Ohio State were both Nike schools for, for a while. Michigan, now a Jordan brand. So, I mean, it, it is definitely possible. That's going to be something I will be interested in tracking over the next year, two, three, four years. Um, you know, when this contract gets closer to ending, would Auburn move on? Or will Under Armour be ready to move on? I don't think you want to break deals right now financially and everything that it, that that you have to deal with that uh, early on but um yeah I, I thought that was an interesting little note about how you know literally you have these two super marketable guys two of the best athletes uh of their time um and then you know you're two probably your two most famous alums period um you know and whenever they do events or something like that they're they're out there wearing their nike stuff they're not wearing Auburn stuff they're not wearing under under armor stuff and and you know that I think that might have some sort of effect on Auburn um you know right now and, and you know, we talk about maximizing things like that uh I don't know that was just something I, I found very very interesting going off of that painter there was a uh story that came out Saturday morning we're recording this on Saturday that Mark Emmert <laughs> is finally going to try to do this little late face turn here. Uh, speaking to the New York Times, um, he is saying that he is going to push to let name, image, and likeness rules be passed this year. Now, this is coming in the midst of several states passing their own laws for name, image, and likeness that are supposed to go into effect July the 1st, including the states of Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. So all the ones right around here. I think Tennessee doesn't have one yet, or they might uh, be ha- having one soon. There's like 10 or 15 states, you know, up to 20, I think, in that in that ballpark, who have their own legislation in place or on the books. They're, they're, they're getting ready to go with that. Um, we have not talked about this from the Auburn perspective yet, um, but you know, a couple, you know, I think it was last week or two weeks ago when they passed the you know they, they passed the law in Alabama. Um, this name, image, and likeness thing has been talked about for so long and for so long. But like we're about to see it have real life impact right away here in Auburn because Alabama is going to go ahead and push push forward with it, and it doesn't sound like the NCAA is going to going to stop them for it. They're going to try to you know kind of make their own uh, rules or you know be prepared for the ones that are coming. 
Emmert sees the writing on the wall. They can no longer ignore the inevitable, and you're right. At this point, it's more beneficial for them to get on board and try to sort of mold it or at least be a part of it if they can. At this point, they've, they've delayed it for years and years, and now they're at a point where it, it is at a more strategic benefit for them to roll with the punches as opposed to fighting it. Right. And, and so I'm very curious to see what this, what happens here in Auburn and like what kind of effects we see right away from this, because it's going to, it's coming. It, it's coming. Uh, this was passed April 13th. Uh, this is reading this from mail.com uh, April 13th uh, saying uh, a bill saying that college a- athletes can receive compensation for their name, image and likeness move closer to becoming law in Alabama today. Um, I think that, I'm sorry, I'm reading something a little bit older. Ivy has already signed it into law. Uh, it got approved on a 26 uh, vote approved by um, Representative. Uh, the bill was from Representative Kyle South. Uh, it, this was funny, Manor. Uh South, the sponsor of the bill in Alabama, has said the main purpose of this bill is to make sure Alabama universities are not at a disadvantage in recruiting. Um, I love it when politicians and um, you know people who are in charge of these things don't hide it. They don't try to dress it up. They just say, look, man, like we're, <laughs> we want to make sure Alabama and, and Auburn and, you know, even Troy, UAB, some of these other schools are not going to be held back. We want them to be as good as football at football as, as they can, because Alabama and Auburn being good at football, being good at basketball, being good at all these other sports helps the state, um, in, in, you know, in, in several ways, including financially. It is actually, some people may hear that and think, well, that's kind of gross. Why are they not doing this altruistically? And it's like, because if, if this were for altruistic purposes, we'd have done it a long time ago. Now it is, you know, there's some money on the line. There's some resources on the line. Like you say, they don't want to be at a competitive disadvantage. And to that, I say, fine, whatever it takes to move the ball into the end zone. And yes, it's always nice to remind people that a lot of this it's just sort of at the whims of these people, and it is now beneficial, as I said earlier, for the NCAA and politicians and whoever it is that tends to benefit off of these schools being powerhouses that make a lot of money. It's it's more beneficial to not fight this any longer. And you know what? Fine, whatever it takes. Yeah, and and a few things to keep in mind here with this with this bill, uh, the bill that was passed from Alabama in Alabama says. Uh, a few few bullet points here. Student athletes can receive compensation for the name, image, and likeness at market value. It'll be very interesting to see how they determine that. Student athletes could hire an agent or attorney to represent them for purposes of receiving NIL compensation, which is interesting. You can go ahead and already have an agent and an attorney, or somebody like that, who to help you deal with all the contract stuff and the legal stuff that will come with this. But on top of that... I mean, that just screams to me like something that Jimmy Sexton would want to be a part of. (laughs) Will he be allowed to be a part of it? Like, what hoops do you have to jump through to get to be one of those agents? Because that certainly seems like a a lucrative opportunity. And, of course, as we know, there are often a handful of agents that really make a name for themselves. And, you know, maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe that's just something that's not worth his time. But that screams to me someone like Jimmy Sexton saying, I think I'll just dip my toe in these waters. Universities cannot unreasonably restrict student athletes from receiving an IL compensation or hiring an attorney or agent. So 
Um, you know, I think the reasonable rules, I was, I was reading this the other day, like they're, they can, the school can kind of, has to kind of sign off on this as like, Hey, it's okay for you to use your name, image and likeness for this thing, this thing, this thing. Like they're not going to let you, um, I think the Alabama law is like, they're not going to let you, if you're at an Under Armour school, you're not going to, you know, sign an Adidas deal or something like that. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Certain, um, Certain businesses are probably going to be barred from it, you know, alcohol, tobacco, um, you know, other other stuff like that that they don't want a school to be promoting. Um, another one that they said was is that they have to kind of sign off on anytime you use a logo or a um, you know anything involving the school. So like if you want to do an ad or something like that, if you're an athlete with the Auburn logo or your Auburn jersey or, or whatever. Um, they have to sign off on it to make sure that it's not competing with anything that they're doing. Something you know, these so schools I, are very stingy about is that logo. Very, very, very stingy about it. So there, there are barriers, and it's not, a, it's not going to be, you know, free reign for anything. Um, another bullet point from this law is uh, from Alabama is that universities cannot compensate their own athletes for name, image, and likeness, and name, image, name, image, and likeness compensation cannot be used as a recruiting inducement or reward for participation or performance. So okay. it's not something you can use to recruit technically, but it's like we have well, to have it because we don't want it to be used against us. Yeah, and also I think it goes without saying that, uh, you know, at certain schools you're going to have a wider brand. You know, you're going to get potentially more exposure at certain schools than others, but I think it was our friend Nicole, I think I've also heard you mentioned this. There's also an argument to go to the flip side, even though I do think it's obviously more beneficial to, you know, if you can play at Alabama or Duke or what have you, sure, the exposure there is going to be great. But if you're also, uh, what's the way I'm looking to say this, a big fish in a small pond, you know, right. maybe you choose to go to a school that will get plenty of exposure, but it's not a blue blood or a powerhouse and you rule the day there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how every all this gets regulated, but also like what the what the volume of this is going to be right away. Uh, one of the other things to keep in mind with this law, uh, this is coming from the National Law Review. It says it prevents colleges and universities, the law that is, uh, and their officers, directors, employees, along with sponsors and boosters, from compensating, directing compensation to student athletes or their families for use of their NIL. Also, and I think this is a big one that might get overlooked some, it requires colleges and universities to, quote, conduct financial literacy and life skills programming for student athletes. I think that's big. I think requiring it to, you know, say, hey, guys, you're going to be coming into some money here, and, and, and gals, as we've as we've talked about and what we will talk about. But, you know, student-athletes, you are going to be making money now from this. Here's how you make sure you don't screw it up, basically, and and making sure that if you're going to be coming into some money as a college athlete, um, how to manage it, how to deal with it, how to operate in all these things. And I think the university kind of embracing that and and, and, and get, equipping these these uh, these athletes, I think, is going to be very big. For them, we have seen, we haven't seen it at Auburn yet, but I know Alabama's done it and, and several other schools across the country are starting to do it. We are seeing them partner with these, or, you know, these organizations or hiring people specifically involved to be like branding coaches. Like, here's how you take advantage of your brand. We are going to partner with you. I know uh, 
Gus has gone off about that a lot at, at UCF. They want to take full advantage of that when you're at a place like UCF. Um, you know, embracing your personal brand and monetizing it, you know, instead of, you know, these schools. And for so long, these schools and these programs and the NCA and all that had been like, no, 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 amateurism. You're just here for the love of the game and the fact that we let you come to our school for free. Now I think the smarter schools are going to be the ones that come around and say, hey, we want to make sure that you guys are going to be equipped for this and we want to encourage this. Um, because also I think, one, one, it's it's smart, it's it's beneficial for the players, but two, if you are working with these with these players, to make sure they're, they're they're doing the right things there, it'll be easier for you not to be get in trouble for this kind of stuff. And two, I think it's just going to be, you know, an easy way to recruit your own self. It's like, hey, you know, we think that you are a brand, um, you know, monetize it, take advantage of it um, while you're here. Um, and you know, cause the, cause the, the players who have the, the bigger brands out there, um, and, and the bigger earning potential are almost always the ones that are the best at their sports. Um, so I think, you know, I'll be very interested to see if Auburn addresses that because we've already seen some other schools, uh, kind of come along, come alongside that. You know, who will be the best at this is of course, Nick Saban. He will find a way to manage this appropriately. Speaking of Nick Saban, uh, while we were recording this, they got uh, Henry Toto from uh, from Tennessee. So arguably the number one transfer in the country is going to Alabama. Absolutely linebacker. loved his response to Jimbo Fisher because it was genuinely funny. <laughs> and also, he did the Saban thing. Like, you could see the wheels turning. He gave you the cheeky grin. Then he just immediately smoothly moves right into complimenting Fisher. And you know what? Like, Fisher's team probably will be a top five, top ten team next season. And I could see it in Saban's eyes. He thought to himself, I was going to keep it at a respectable 28. Now you guys are getting a 50-burger next year. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing about it is, like, yeah, we're going to beat them. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, you haven't. Like, you, you, Jimbo Fisher, at Texas A&M, haven't. And, like, last year, you were the team on the outside looking in in the college football playoff, you were number five. You were the closest to make that cut, and you got absolutely blitzed by Alabama or th- that season, right? And sure, A&M might have been a better team by the end of the season, yada yada yada. But yeah, that was like, you know, I think Spencer Hall had the had, had the tweet. It was like, you know, it's very interesting that Jimbo is going in this direction because like he's getting paid no matter what. Like why even why even act like you're like. Yeah, we're gonna beat Nick Saban. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna beat Alabama while while they're there. It's like, well, I mean, you're getting paid the same way if you go out and and beat them, or if you go out and get beat by a hundred. It's like, you know, my smack talk would be like more like I'm rich, not I'm going to beat the best at, at the sport right now. Saban came across great in that. He smiled. Oh, yeah. He made a nice little one liner. Then he moved right into complimenting Fisher. And then in a few months, he's good. At we'll those. mostly forget about this interaction but it'll get brought up when alabama wins by 41 points or whatever and it's like (laughs) yeah maybe maybe don't do that yeah maybe maybe don't do that maybe don't do that at all um speaking of the transfer portal and transfers with with toto and, and alabama uh auburn uh since our last recording uh a fifth player has gone into the portal kamal hadden 
interesting one here because um, Auburn's got t- a ton of depth at cornerback. I mean, anybody can see that. They have um, Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett, and here comes Drayshon Miller. That's a that's an excellent top three. During the spring, you also saw um, guys like uh, Nehemiah Pritchett step up. You saw, uh, you know, Eric Reed come through. Marco Domio is a guy they're still high on. So if you're Kamal Haddon, and he had a really good spring game, if you're Kamal Haddon, and you're like, man, I'm going to be third string, maybe low second string in the mix at best at corner. Man, I'm a Juco player. When I signed, none of these coaches were here. You know, and they didn't have Drayshon Miller, and, and I didn't know where everybody was going to fit in on this team. Um, I think I said Nehemiah Pritchett twice um, accidentally. You know what I mean. Um, but uh, I think I think there with, with Kamal Haddon, it's just like, I'm a Juco player. I'm going to go bounce right now. Like, you know, his clock is shorter than some of these other guys. When you talk about uh, Chris Thompson bouncing or, or Shia Garnett bouncing after – Signed in the 2020 class. It's a little different. Kamal Haddon, he's a younger Juco player, but he's still a Juco player. And, like, that time is valuable and that time is limited. So, I mean, Painter, I couldn't be totally surprised by seeing a cornerback move on. Auburn's got so much depth there. And like we said the other day, these dudes are just making the best decisions for themselves right now. It's also, as a fan, I think, a position group where you go, okay, I get it. You know, it's going to be hard for you to get on the field as much as you want to. So, that works, and as a fan, you can be like, well, that is a position group that, selfishly, I feel good about. So, best of luck to you. You know, I think, like we discussed the other day, at safety, it's like, hmm, that's kind of a bummer. You already probably were yeah. looking to bring somebody in. So, now you got to, you know, double up there. But at corner, it's like, all right, dude, appreciate you. Understand the move. Best of luck. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I think he's going to find a spot where he – you know, can play a lot more early on. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's a good perspective to have. It's like, makes sense, best of luck, you move on. You know, a lot of Auburn fans have been wondering what happens next. You know, we had some questions. You know, a lot of the mailbag on Friday, uh, for those of you who subscribe and read it, a lot of it was based about transfers. And on Monday at The Observer, I'm going to write a story where we talk about a couple transfer targets that Auburn has towards the top and maybe some other positions where they are targeting, um, kind of going a little bit uh, deeper with, with some of that analysis there. Um, by the way, Painter, if they want to uh, get access to that and what we've got going on uh, with our other podcast in the middle of the week, our other our, our, our midweek podcast episodes, where should they go? Rate, review, subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, we do appreciate your support. Your greenback is much appreciated. Also, we had a good time. The Inner Circle podcast, as Ferg referenced earlier, in person. We'll bring that back. Uh, It was nice to see Ferg's smiling face and to be just mere feet away from him. But, of course, if you go to Auburn Observer, you can get all of those stories, plus the Inner Circle podcast and what you're listening to now, the free edition very easy, very convenient. More and more people are saying that it's what you need. Uh, yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Subscribe there. $6 a month or $60 a year. Uh, for those of you who are on the free feed, you already got a taste of what we do on the premium podcast because we unlocked uh, our podcast with Alex Kirshner earlier in the week. You should have been able to get that one on your free feed wherever you listen to it. And, uh, yeah, we've got some more coming we're gonna you know, be talking to some more people uh, hopefully throughout the next few months to help us get through the off season and talk to some interesting people so you don't have to just hear us over and over and over again um but yeah 
We're going to broaden this thing out. You know, it's the all awesome It's it. time to get a little creative. DM me if you're thinking, hey, I want, I want you to uh, talk about something. We, we do have a review um, to, to read. And remember, like Painter said, rate and review and subscribe on Apple. We have a review from Twitter that I wanted to read. Special shout out to our friend Kristen. Kristen said, I think I listen to this podcast more often than other podcasts because I used to, uh, other podcasts I used to enjoy because Justin speaks to the part of me that enjoys stats and history while Painter speaks to the part of me that's fueled by spite. <laughs> I think that's the perfect balance. I think that's what we're coming for. Stats and spite. That's what we, that's what we're here for. That's our combo. That's our tag team right there, baby. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for supporting and thank you for putting it into words. For sure. For sure. So, Looking ahead to the transfer portal and what we've what, what what we've got going on here from an Auburn perspective, the big name to talk about right now, and, and I'll write more about him on Monday, is Donovan Kaufman from Vanderbilt. Donovan Kaufman is a really interesting story, and we've mentioned him I think before on the show, but I wanted to talk to him a little bit more in depth here. Donovan Kaufman reportedly down between, um, not reportedly, he said it. Um, you can go find the video where he said it. I, actually, I should stay, I should correct myself there. Um, down between Auburn and Texas for his commitment. That's supposed to come either this week or next week. We will see Donovan Kaufman, three-star. Uh, he was a high three-star athlete from Louisiana. Played at Archbishop Rummel in uh, New Orleans. And he um, signed with Vanderbilt coming out of high school over Florida State. Uh, over, I believe, Ole Miss was in the mix for him as well. Number of number of schools. He signed with Vanderbilt. Uh, one of the things that stood out to him in the process, uh, you know, that I was reading up on is that uh, Derek Mason uh, visited his father, who is in prison right now, who is currently incarcerated. Um, you know, during you know kind of the recruitment process, and that stuck out to uh, Donovan Kaufman, and he ended up signing with Vanderbilt over some better schools. And then in 2020, as a true freshman, right off the bat, starting safety, uh, played some nickel, played some like hybrid linebacker. As we talk about this Derek Mason defense, they want to move guys around. And he was excellent early. Uh, he had uh, 15 tackles in his first two games. He had a long kickoff return against LSU. Uh, he's also a kick, kick return man. And looked like a guy that was just going to be a real key player in that defense. Unfortunately for him, he tested positive for COVID, never came back. Um, so he's got only a couple of games, but he looked so good in those those first two games. And now he's entering the portal. Coaching change at Vanderbilt, everything's going on. Auburn reached out to him real quickly. Um, and apparently now Texas is the other one to go in, in for him with. This is a very interesting pickup because you lose Chris Thompson Jr. in the portal – and you need safety depth, right? Uh, it's good to have Smoke Monday back there, absolutely. Zion Puckett is, you know, here's something that I didn't even, I don't even think it clicked with me until I was looking through it the other day in the scholarship chart. Did you know that Zion Puckett is the highest rated defensive back prospect Auburn has on this current roster? And I feel like we don't talk about him quite as much. But Puckett seems to be a guy that, that could be a dude at safety or a nickel. Same thing with Ladarius Tennyson, they've moved him around. There's not a ton of depth behind that. You've got Amari Harvey, who hadn't played yet. You've got some other guys coming in this summer who haven't played yet. Um, but you need some quality experience at safety. Now with Thompson gone elsewhere, Donovan Kaufman checks all the boxes. And Penner, it would be really, really big 
for Auburn to get a guy like him, even though only two games. But, man, this dude, there's no learning curve here with this playbook. The man already went through it. Like, he's going to come in immediately and know what he needs to be doing. Certainly seems to be a player that would make the team better immediately. And the relationship with Mason is obviously the added bonus because of all the things you just said. I think there's hardly any downside to this when you consider the desperate need of bodies at the position and, of course, his uh, ability to plug and play. Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things for me is, like, he's got kick return ability. And I do wonder... With the depth situation going on at running back, and we'll talk about that here in a second, with the depth situation going on at running back, if Auburn wants to limit the times that uh, Tank Bigsby and Sean Chivers get hit this season, maybe Kaufman is a guy that they can throw back there and and help him out that way um, because you don't have a ton of depth at running back. And the most dangerous play in football is still the kickoff and kick return because no other time is everyone on the field, with probably the exception of the kicker, running at each other at full speed as hard as they can. Um, And it's just like a car crash over and over and over again at high speed. If you want to – and Tank Bigsby is obviously awesome at kicker returning. Sean Shivers has got really good potential there. But, you know, if you want to be smart about how you want to separate those hits on those guys um, and want to take one of them off of that, Kaufman already – has shown he can be a, he can be a, a, an impact player in special teams, um, and he did it in his first two games at, a, at at Vanderbilt. That's I'm very curious at what they're going to do at kick returner because Tank Bigsby is a weapon. We saw the Ole Miss you know kick return that got called back. We saw what he did at A Day. We know he's a he, he's a game changer there. But what happens if you if he gets hurt you know on a on a play where he's not even on offense and it seems kind of preventable wonder if bolstering his special teams upside would be would be an advantage there for Auburn please don't get hurt tank (laughs) please please and Sean Shivers too man like what happens if either one like I mean you put an enormous amount of strain on either of them if if Sean should go down obviously the, mm -hmm. the the volume of touches for tank is not going to be ideal, I think. And then also, you're probably going to end up having to rely on some guys further down the depth chart earlier than you might have wanted to. You're right. So it's not just about Tank not going down. I think, obviously, that's a good point. You really can't afford Sean to go down for all no. the same reasons. It just puts a lot of strain on whoever is still healthy. But I think that's a good good thing to pay attention to. Are, are we getting a sense that that is trending in the right direction for Auburn? I think so. I'm very curious to see what and hear what Texas has here because, like, the, the, the advantage for Auburn is very obvious if, if there is one. It's, you know, and, and people think there is one, it's the fact that Derek Mason was his coach and now he would be his defensive coordinator. And it's just an easy transition. You think about learning a new playbook, getting ready. And if you want to make a quick impact, you know, and you've missed spring practice – if you know exactly what you need to be doing because you've already been through that install before on another team, you know that'll uh, that's a that's a quick that's a quick way to to go about it. So, be very curious to see what Texas is offering in that in that. So, I mean, look, it's Texas, man. Like, even though this is a New Orleans kid, you know, if Texas comes knocking, the big name and the big brand, even though they are not, you know, what they could be as a as a 
an elite program in college college football that gets people's attention man it's texas um they've got it all uh, except for winning you know consistent winning over the last 10 years um but I, I I think it would be Auburn. I would be surprised if if it wasn't Auburn. But I think he's you know still kind of working it out. And and this is a decision that's supposed to be coming within the next week or so. So keep an eye on that. Another one to keep an eye on is one from right up to eighty. UAB Tony Fair. Tony Fair became a name that uh, caught some steam real quickly uh, over the last few days. He graduated from UAB last weekend. Monday, he entered the transfer portal. Um, He is plenty experienced, Tony Fair. He's also as big as a house. He's 6'3", 335 pounds, defensive tackle out of UAB. He's from Indiana originally, started his career at Indiana State, had a big injury, ended up going to JUCO, had just some unreal numbers in in junior college painter. Listen to this. When he was in junior college in Arizona at Pima Community College, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he played a game against Scottsdale in 2018 where he had a defensive tackle, mind you, a big old defensive tackle, had 25 tackles in one game. (laughs) 25. (laughs) 25. Uh, he had 144 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss and three sacks over two seasons at Pima Community College in Arizona. He ended up picking UAB over Indiana and Nebraska as a transfer. Uh, he was honorable mention All-Conference USA his first season at UAB, and then last year I believe he got second-team honors. Never was a regular starter there, but was in the rotation, and uh, it was pretty disruptive. He's not just a gap plugger, uh, kind of like what we talked about with Marquise Burks a, a few days ago. Big old dude who can actually get after the passer a little bit. And is disruptive. He'll get into the backfield for you. And Auburn going to the defensive line, it's not the thinnest position group in the world. It's not the red flashing light like safety might be or maybe even running back in the moment. But one thing about Tony Fair to keep in mind is that he's huge. And you look at this nose tackle position, if you're going to do more three-down stuff moving forward, you've got Tyron Truesdale. That's great. But who's behind him? Jeremiah Wright's hurt. You know, J.J. Pegues still, I mean, we'll see if he's more of a, a more of an end or a, or a defense tackle or a nose in this defense, but he's new to the position. Um, what's the best spot for a guy like Lee Hunter? Does he need a little bit more time to find that spot? Maybe. Uh, you don't want to press him and rush these guys. You don't have Jay Hardy anymore. You know, Marquise Burks looks like a guy who's, who's solidifying himself at defensive tackle. So getting a guy like Tony Fair to get in the rotation, I think, would be huge for Auburn. And, um, you know, that's a that's a position where you lose a guy in Jay Hardy, boom, here's a dude who has a ton of experience. He, he You know, people thought he could have gone into the draft last year, or this this, this year, I should say. Um, he's going to take his, uh, his super senior uh, year to go to a bigger program uh, and – and you know, get a bigger get a bigger uh, uh, platform to showcase his skills to NFL scouts. Uh, he's been offered from Michigan, Iowa, Ole Miss, Indiana, and Purdue. I believe, I think it's Ole Miss and Purdue are kind of leading there with Auburn. But Tony Fair told a friend of the uh, program, Tom Green over at AL.com, on Thursday uh, that he was quote leaning towards Auburn. He hadn't have a final decision yet, but he is leaning towards Auburn. So like Donovan Kaufman, this is another one that could be right away. Here's your here's your here's your plug and play 
depth replacement uh, and potential starter on the defensive side of the ball. Did you say he initially chose UAB over Nebraska and Indiana? That when he transferred from junior college, yes. That is an he interesting. He started his career at Indiana State. Selection. Indiana, of course, had some time in the sun recently, and I do hope that that continues for their program. But I would like to comment about Nebraska losing a recruiting <laughs> battle to UAB on Scott Frost Day. Uh, yeah. Of all of all days. Yeah. No, I just it's wow. It's a, it's not great. <laughs> the situation's not great in Nebraska. Like it's just it just isn't. Sorry guys. Um I don't think like <laughs> you know people down in the SEC, I think a lot of people like to point and laugh at Tennessee because Tennessee former superpower in the sport has no um, business being as, as big of a doormat as it's been for 15 years. These things are cyclical, but they've now gone through an entire generation of people who have only known their football program to be laughable and like a thing that their grandparents were proud of. And Texas and is the, not too far off from that. Texas is not too far off. They at least have had a national title more uh, sooner than these than these other other teams. But like Tennessee, at its peak, you know, can win national championships as a powerhouse in the sport. But keep and in is mind, there an Nebraska, argument that it was like probably the second most historic team at one point behind Alabama? In the SEC, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got a lot 100%. of national titles and conference titles, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, I mean, they're they 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 become such a doormat. Sure. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, what? Well, yeah, that's that's another beautiful point about Georgia. It's like, all right. You know? And Tennessee's had a national title more recently than Georgia. Which we love, as but I guess... People, as, as plenty of people will point out. Georgia's got to be just the most fascinating case of all, because they have been oh, yeah. consistently good. It's not, I mean, like, Auburn, certainly, of all programs, cannot say anything to that school, except for what you just mentioned, which is that you guys can't get over the hump. But I digress. LOL at Nebraska. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's my thing, is, like, Nebraska, at one point in time, you know, as as good as Tennessee's been, as good as Georgia's been, you know, in their history. At one point in time, Nebraska was the dominant force in the sport. Like, they were, you know, not quite Alabama's level in terms of, I don't think they won six national titles in the short amount of time like Alabama has. But, like, they were, they were like, you could not stop them good in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. And, like, that's not too far in the past. And now they're deeply mediocre outside of you know in my lifetime and you know somebody might be able to correct me in that but in the time that I remember watching college football a lot outside of the year where they got screwed in the Big 12 title game when they had Ndamukong Sue they haven't really been like that great and they had kind of this you know they had Bo Pelini and they were like winning eight nine sometimes ten games a year there and that wasn't good enough for them and they've been wandering in the wilderness ever since. And then they brought in the prodigal son, and they brought home Scott Frost, and he was going to do everything better, and they were going to they were going to be the team again. And it's they've gotten even worse. So yeah, and that's how you start losing uh, recruiting battles at UAB, I guess, uh, for for dudes who might have an NFL future on the defensive line. So Tony Fair leaning towards Auburn. Be very interesting to see if Auburn stays on stays in front, holds on to that lead. Like Kaufman, they expected to make a decision here in the next week or so. They don't – these two guys are not going to wait around for visits. They've done the virtual visits. They want to go ahead and get to their programs, get underway, get plugged in. 
And, um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, for fair, even though he is an Indiana guy, uh, Quick little trip down 280 to get from to, to move all your stuff from UAB. Um, that's a that's a that's an easy trip to make that plenty of people, uh, including ones who are listening to this podcast, have probably made before. Yes, we love it, folks. The Magic City. <laughs> the the Magic City. It is a beautiful it, place. You all know how I feel about Birmingham. It's coming. Do we? Its time is coming. Is that how you feel about Birmingham? You know, I think it's time is coming. There's uh, there's lots of it's on the up and up, baby. So when you say it's time is coming, what what is that going to look like? Like what is <laughs> what happened, what does Birmingham look like when the time comes? I'm going it to sound like it. I'm going to default to the people uh, to the the Birmingham folk and allow them to elaborate for me because I think you know maybe somebody will tweet at me and let me know about all the positive things going on in Beham right now. King Dave will uh will 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 set you straight on all on all things Birmingham. How about that? I love it. I love it. All right, so there's two. Those are two spots that we know that Auburn's going after. Right now, that's kind of it. We've heard the there whispers about some other guys who have picked elsewhere, on you know in in the transfer portal. But I was having this conversation again with, uh, and I think this is the second podcast in a row we've shouted him out our, our dear our dear sweet boy maxi olson at uh <laughs> at the athletic i was talking to him he, he follows the transfer portal really closely and he he writes about a lot of it at the at the athletic and i was telling him i was like you know auburn fans are looking for they you know they want offensive linemen like it's like well we need to go get an offensive tackle we need to get better on the offensive line we need to get one of these guys or we need a wide receiver or you know X, Y, and Z at these positions. And it's like, you know, Auburn can't conjure these guys out and make them Yeah, up. somebody has they to. They have to be has in there. to be there and has to want to come. I mean, it's all those things that fans are saying are true. I'm with them. Oh, I would yeah, like, for sure. I would like all of those positions to be shored up. But, yes, at the end of the day, Harson and company can only go after them if they exist and if they are even willing to entertain the idea of spending time on the planes, baby. And when I talked to Max, he was like, yeah, it's just not a good offensive line situation in the portal right now. The guys that are in there couldn't play at their other schools for the most part. You don't have guys – you don't have a ton of guys looking to move up like a Tony Fair or, you know, in a, in a, to an extent, a Donovan Kaufman, you know, on the offensive line. And, you know, the bigger-name dudes like Wanya Morris early have already made their decisions. So it's like Max and some other people I've talked to are of the opinion that business is going to start picking up. People are going to start entering the portal a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. We've already seen this happen at other schools. It definitely has happened at Auburn. So I think Auburn fans' patience, I think, is 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 what you need to be clued in on right now. And also, Auburn might not have a ton of spots to play around with. At the moment, at the moment, projecting it out here, it looks like Auburn has 81 scholarships. Now, the 85-man hard count does not matter this year because of the super seniors but there is still the 25 man count and on friday when i uh, answered the mailbag question um i said it looks like auburn's got five spots i've been hearing people say three spots uh bill cameron on the drive and uh, with our good buddy uh dan peck of the dan peck radio network when i was talking to him thursday they were mentioning the three spot and I was like, man, how am I so – like five and three, That how am I off? What am I missing? Well, here's what I'm missing, and I have to issue a correction here. Oscar Chapman 
didn't count towards last season's scholarships. He has to count to this year's scholarships and the way they, they brought him in from Australia. So that's one of the ones I was missing. Apparently there might be another one there floating out there that I'm not aware of who it is entirely, but that's where the number three comes from. So it's like three, four flexibility. We will see. So if you're going after Tony Fair and you're going after Donovan Kaufman, that's two. Auburn might only have one or two spots on top of that. So you got to be very selective with it. Now, like I said, the 85-man thing doesn't count. And Auburn fans might be looking at, well, we lost so many guys. Why aren't we bringing all these guys back in? You know, it's not a – you can't like for like it. There is a 25-man count. There's back counting. You can do some other stuff. It be very interesting to see how, how they do it and, and play it forward and stuff like that. Um, but I would expect Auburn to continue to reach out to recruits. And we don't know for sure, me personally, I do not know for sure, I should say, how many spots they have left, but um, there is a there is a gap, there is a or a cap, there is a limit. So, if Auburn's trying to be very selective here, the limit does not patient, exist. The limit does exist, Painter. Sorry, I hate to I hate to let you down. I'm a Mean Girls stan. Mean Girls is a great movie. I will say. I mean, there will you will get no objection on my on my end. From but me. in this instance, you're right. Unfortunately. It the definitely limit, uh, does exist. The li- the limit do exist. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I think I think with this with the, the number of spots they have left, I feel like running back is something they have to get. We just talked about it just a second ago. The 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 strain that you're putting on Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers to not only be super productive but be stay healthy. Like, yes, Devin Barrett could emerge as a guy that you could rely on this year. I think Auburn fans would love to see that happen uh, as he makes his transition back to the position. Um, Jarquez Hunter, he of the drop step Duncan boots, um, could be a guy that could, that helps you out right away. And we know running back is one of those position groups where you know you can you have can a freshman in come in and contribute. Like it happens mm-hmm, for sure. I, I think it's it the is, evident thing is that you would prefer them not to be in a position where they are relying on a true freshman or a guy who has not played running back in a few years if it happens you deal with it but i think generally speaking it would be nice if you could use barrett in a very controlled environment not not giving him heavy usage because your running backs are banged up same thing for same thing for hunter and i think they would like to get somebody with some experience the running back spot there's some more guys there but like we haven't heard about anybody jumping out you know with auburn and connections there so i think running backs one to keep an eye on Offensive line, like we just said, wait a little bit. I think maybe some maybe some tackles that can challenge for starting jobs um, right away are out there, but they're just not in there at the moment. I think the same thing goes at wide receiver. There's not really this can't miss wide receiver that you want to go. You try to go after Mike Woods. There's been some other. I, there will be other ones that will come into the portal over the next weeks and months um, until the deadline hits. You got to be patient. You got to be patient there because you can't just go out and say, well, we lost X, you know, we lost five guys. We can bring five guys in. That's not how it works. Um, But there is some flexibility with numbers. Could they get another edge rusher? Sure. Could they get another quarterback? I think that's probably last on the list of, of priorities, but like, sure. You have three scholarship quarterbacks now. Maybe you want four. Maybe you want to find another Grant Lloyd type. Maybe you want to find a, a younger project that you want to, you want to have just to, you know, develop them for the future. Maybe. Who knows? Um, I do know that Auburn has Holden uh, Garner 
uh, already committed, and he is rising up the boards in the 2022 class. And it looks like they're going to try to get another quarterback in this class. So that might not be that big of a deal. But I, I guess the message is here, Auburn fans, is like, yes, it's, you know, with the coaching changes and the semester ending and all that, the run of people leaving right now has kind of gotten you, you may, may kind of get you to be like, well, when is Auburn going to start getting some guys? I think when the case of Kaufman and Fair, you're going to have two opportunities here real soon. But then on top of that, I think Auburn is going to have to benefit from having a little bit of patience and, and sorting it out. And ultimately, if they can only get three or four more guys or however many ends up being, you might be worried about the way how that sorts out with depth in the future. But if you're talking about the 2021 season, you'll be kind of around the ballpark for, for your uh, for your 85-man limit, even though that doesn't exist this year. But you would be at, at around what you would normally have, and, it, and thanks to the super seniors coming back, thanks to, thanks to some of people's some people coming back from uh, from COVID, um, from from sitting out the COVID season. Uh, so, wouldn't be it wouldn't be the end of the world if you if Auburn sees these guys move out of the portal, and then doesn't bring in exactly the same amount of people in return. But you've already got Akuliota, you've already got Drayshon Miller, um, you were able to take advantage of what happened at Tennessee by picking off Dylan Brooks. There's there's some work being done, but just I think it's kind of like what we talked about earlier in the week, Painter, with basketball. We saw the run here of guys outgoing, and it was like, what is happening? Where are all these dudes going? It's like, patience, patience, and then lo and behold, you got Walker Kessler and and uh, and and you know all the transfer guards coming in. Ah, uh, yes, Ferg, patience. The thing that fans like myself in college sports have so much of. So much, so much patience. You you just, you, you, you know, you're a patient. Everyone's patient. Everybody should be uh, following your example of, 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 you know, being even keeled. Um, and uh, I keep know, thinking about that video, that, that very famous internet video that does make me laugh every time where, like, the family, like, grabs all of its guns in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody turns on the siren at the end of it. Is it that one? Yes. 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 <laughs> that's anytime yeah, that's Albert hitting that the transfer portal. Yeah. It's like pulling out a yeah. They pull out a gun out of a drawer. <laughs> that's that's. What is that that's from? All, I have no idea. Is it idea. just a YouTube video that has you know? I mean, now every Probably. time I see that, it it doesn't really even have to apply that much to whatever they're they're commenting on but i like that video very much it's just it's, it's, it's just brian harson as an assistant hitting the portal <laughs> it's kind of like williams is reaching for a gun out of the drawer and it's like all right time to go get another running back all right well we've got we got a few more minutes left to go appreciate you guys listening as as we've uh, as we've said um as i said at the beginning i hope everybody uh, out there has a happy mother's day weekend um Visit your moms. Call your moms if you can. Um, yeah, give them yeah. a shout, even if you can't be with them. Give them, give yeah, them a, sure. a hello and, and let them know, uh, you know, they do a lot. They do a lot mm-hmm. for us. And, 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 th- and for those of you out there who your mom's not with you anymore, um, you know, just, I know this is a tough time of year, of year for, for a lot of y'all. So just so you know, we're thinking of y'all as well. And uh, hopefully y'all can uh, honor the memories and celebrate important women in your life this this weekend. So uh, very big with that. Uh, before we break, Painter, I wanted to talk about uh, I want to talk about the prophet a little bit. I want to talk about I want to talk about Sharif Cooper because there was a run of NBA mock drafts that came out this week. Um, 
some more rankings, some more movement. We're getting closer to the playoffs, getting closer to kind of where we figure out where the draft order will be in the NBA, at least on the top end. And to some of Auburn fans' surprise slash wonderment slash confusion, it looks like Sharif Cooper consensus-wise late first round after the lottery is where he's mostly being projected at at the moment. Now, things can change. Teams can teams might have a different opinion of him or, or certain things like that. But if you look at the teams in the draft that might need a point guard, they're kind of picking towards the middle, maybe a little bit more towards the back. Um, I have this feeling that if he doesn't go lottery – Auburn fans are going to be like, what in the world? Why did he do this? How you know, He made such a wrong decision. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, it would, what he does in his, his rookie season, his first contract, will say if he made a good decision or not. But I know some Auburn fans were a little perplexed by the fact that it's like, oh, well, we thought this dude was going lottery, and he's not necessarily being projected about there across the board right now. Yeah, either a team has a really good poker face – Mm-hmm. and they're not showing their hand. Possible. Or, yeah, he's just going to end up on a team later than perhaps I would have liked. But I think you pointed this out in the mailbag. That could be to his own benefit. You listed a couple of teams that would be really fun to see right. him land on. I think either of the Los Angeles teams could use him. Absolutely. Because they either have older point guards or guys that don't have just this lock on the position. And, of course, you know, in L.A., they use LeBron to do a lot of their uh, playmaking. Which, by the way, how about the Lakers just falling apart right now? Um, They're like the defending world champions. Uh, They are down. Like, down right now. Um, Not great. Not great for those guys. But, I mean, one of the things that I found really interesting about this whole process um, is that, you know, you look at, you, you look at the, look at the situation going on in the NBA right now. And I, and I think you, point guard, you can kind of compare it a lot to quarterback and the quarterback position in the NFL. There are a lot of teams in the NBA and in the, you know, like in the NFL that already kind of have their quarterback situation sorted out. For the most part, Which I know we did see a run of Jordan Love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly why you do that. Um, you you have your quarter quarterback situations kind of settled, and I think, I mean, look at the bad teams in the NBA right now that are picking towards that are going to be picking in the lottery. A lot of them have young point guards that they like. You know, like they have they have players that you know it won't make it wouldn't make sense to go with a first round point guard if you already have somebody established or somebody you're trying to turn into an established player at the point guard spot um so that makes things really interesting for a guy like Sharif Cooper because he is a point guard that's it he his size and his, his position like he's not a shooting guard he is not, it it's a little bit different even if you want to go best available player when you when you draft you can go best available player with some of these guys and say, well, he's a wing or he's a forward or you know he might even be a big man, we can find a spot for him. Sharif Cooper, he's going to play the one, and that is what he's going to have to be is a one. And if you don't need a one, you might be looking somewhere else. Or if you don't feel like you even want a one right now, it's a, it's a lot different. You know, If he was a combo guard, you could even give him some some flexibility there. But like, I think Sharif's going to – the teams that are going to be interested in Sharif are going to be the ones that are like, hey – 
either right now or in the next couple of years, we want to turn the reins over to you at our at our point guard spot. And there's a lot of teams that are bad right now that have young point guards, and it's kind of part of the reason why they're bad right now is that, you know, they're still working some things out at the position. At this point, I just hope he lands on a really good team right away. If he's not going to be a lottery pick, if he's not going to be able to land in a situation like Chuma or Isaac and is a little bit farther back, then I just hope that he's fortunate about the roster that he falls on and that that sets him out, sets him up for that big second contract. But I think you're right to point out that just if he falls in the draft, it would have been nice to have him back, Auburn fans. Doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that he made the wrong choice. It is not a one-for-one one in any way, but I will go ahead and try to make the comparison that Jared Harper wasn't drafted in the first round. But he is having what I would consider a good career, and he was personally ready to move on and go make some professional money. And I can't speak to what it is that Shreve Cooper's motivations are, but it seems like he was ready to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think I think if if you look at the mock draft right now, if you look at where people are probably picking at the moment, if things start getting interesting. I mean. All these can kind of move around at the moment, but, like, if you know Sharif's not going to be a top-five guy, or maybe even a top-ten guy, it's like, New Orleans could maybe use a point guard, and they're projected 11 right now. The Warriors, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they would put it. They have Steph. Speaking as a Warriors fan, they have more needs than that, but maybe <laughs> they want to go. Maybe they want to go with somebody like you that. You talk about two YouTube basketball stars playing together, though. <laughs> Zion and... Uh... Sharif playing together would be fun, if not for the crossovers and the dunks. And maybe that franchise will get things going in the right direction. I think, what, your brother has a soft spot for the Pelicans. I'd like to see them have a little success, you know, some young players on that team. Zion seems like a good dude. Did you see him talking about the, uh, he recently did an interview, and he talked about that now, I guess, infamous, very small white kid who clapped and got in his face. This was uh, when he was in high school, but uh, anyway, you know he was nice about it. Like, I, I love Zion, man. He, yeah, think, he seems like a I, pretty I good dude. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's. I hope he's super successful. He's putting up just absolutely stupid numbers this year because nobody can stop him because he's that big and that athletic. Uh, San Antonio could probably be a spot. Like they don't have a super light down at point guard. You would feel fine if you were uh, Sharif Cooper and playing for a team like the Spurs. I would imagine. And then, hello, it's the New York Knicks. Um, currently winning despite not having a solid point guard situation for the most part. I know Jared Harper, shout out to Jared Harper, got another 10-day from the Knicks. Um, you love to big, see it. And it is nerve-wracking to think he could land on the Knicks because it's like there's no evidence that they're going to continue to be like a solid franchise. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, hey, all right, credit where it's due. You know, they're having a little moment right now. Right. Looking through the rest of them, like around that area, Charlotte, definitely not going to do it with LaMelo. Memphis has jaw. They're fine. Um, there's a second Houston pick somewhere in the middle. And man, the Rockets are bad right now. Um, they could probably use a young point guard like Sharif if they feel like they could snatch him. If they think he's got a ton of upside, maybe that's in their range. Boston, uh, you know, Kimball Walker's not getting any younger. Might be a way to kind of you know, put him behind a, a veteran early, kind of like we were talking about with the LA teams. Um, it gets it gets really interesting down down through the mix, uh, down in the 
the, through the mix from from all these teams that are in you know potential playoff territory um, there. But I think I've decided that the Clippers would be really fun because you know he's not going to be asked to score a ton, and he could just pass the ball and 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 get the assist to guys like Kawhi and PG like right away. That would be fun, kind of like with the Lakers thing, and so. I think that's kind of your best case scenario for him, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these teams that might have these second picks later on in the draft um, that aren't necessarily playoff teams or great teams right now, they might say, "All right, this is our second pick. We feel good about him. We think he's a he's a top ten, top fifteen talent, but we're very fortunate to get him right here." So, I'll be very curious to see what the development goes with uh, with him throughout the uh, throughout the next uh, the, the next couple of weeks and months. Um, and where people view him. Not seeing JT Thor on a ton of uh, these draft boards at the moment. Um, there was a projection I thought I saw earlier in the week that, that had, had him coming back to school and being in the 2022 draft, which is interesting because mm. I think the common knowledge right now is the longer this waits, the less likely he is to come back. But, Painter, I must say, <laughs> I want to put some pieces together here. Auburn had a couple of transfer targets that they were going after on the wing that have uh, gone elsewhere at the moment. Not really any guys jumping out front right now as like here are here are guys that Auburn is clearly targeting right away at the moment. We haven't heard a ton of buzz about JT Thor. I'm just saying, don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. You know, it is be, a fascinating. Won't be surprised if he stays, but like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. A fascinating case because I moved on from him. A long time ago, just assumed and that you it might wasn't still in need the to cards, move on, but. right? But also, yeah, certainly would not mind having the unicorn back in uniform. And if the unicorn comes back, as I wrote on Thursday, um, where I had to change my transfer story into one about <laughs> Jalen Williams and and, uh, and and Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith and all that plays together, it gets really weird if JT and Thor comes back. Insane amount of front court talent already, and then yeah, if you were to add him into the mix, I mean, it's perhaps the best problem you could possibly have. And you did a good—I I did not realize the minutes breakdown until you until you wrote that story. That's a good yeah. point about uh, the difference, and obviously the back court, the front court, the way those guys' bodies are, what's demanded upon them, their style of and play. I'm, and I was and I was really surprised going back and looking at some of these numbers about how well Auburn played when Jalen played with a center last year. Like you wanted to have JT Thor on the floor for sure, and JT and Jalen were your two best options. And Bruce even said it: that's your best offensive look. But man, Auburn was a much better defense and a much better rebounding team last year when you paired Jalen at the four with a center, whether it was um, whether it was a guy like. Stretch Ock and Bowler or Dylan Cardwell. In this case, not to take anything away from those two guys who I think will have roles, but like now it's, okay, here's Walker Kessler. And so even if Jalen doesn't start and he has to do some of this 4-5 flexibility, there's a lot of potential when Jabari's not on the floor or if you want to kick Jabari out to the three in certain situations, which Bruce has talked about as, as a possibility at times. Jalen, Jalen plus center is a good defensive lineup for Auburn, and it was last season, and I think that's like I said with the minutes breakdown with same with things like uh, with, with things like that. If you don't start next season, whether you're Jalen Williams or uh, Walker Kessler or Jabari Smith or 
if JT Thor uh, magically decides to come back, whoever doesn't start in that crew is still going to play starter quality minutes and could still make Auburn a lot better of a team. Because when teams start getting into their rotation, like imagine it like I, like I wrote. Imagine Jabari Smith and, Jay, and, uh, and, and Walker Kessler starting. All right? Whenever one of those isn't on the floor, here's a dude who was one of Auburn's best players last season, if not the best player they had you know, from beginning and end last season. Good luck like, to the bench be- of other teams. Just no break whatsoever. And I, I don't know what to tell opposing coaches when you've got to deal with that three-headed monster and, of course, potentially, potentially Thor. If he comes back, yeah, I would say this. I would say this. It's going to be interesting. You know, we've always said the longer this goes on, the more you think that Thor is probably staying in the draft. And then it's like, if he's not somebody that they're saying is like moving up the boards right now, well, just just keep an eye on it. Just keep an eye on it. Um, I do think it's very interesting that you know Auburn could use another transfer and they haven't been able to land one yet, and it doesn't seem like there's other guys that have jumped right out in in the college basketball carousel that Auburn's pushing after hard. This is around the time where people are still wanting to know what JT Thor is doing. So just put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Like I said, I would still lean towards him not coming back to Auburn next season, but it's just the timing's still very interesting in all of it. I've been wrong plenty of times, but it is hard to imagine Jalen starting over Jabari or Walker, which is insane when you point out (laughs) – how productive how he was, was yeah. last year. And then to your other point, like it's really not that big of a deal because no. he's still going to get somewhere between probably 20 and 25 minutes a game. So right, it'll work right. out for everybody, including this guy who's very excited about this front court. And you should be. I think Auburn fans should be really, really excited about what's coming in the future, and it could get even better here in the next few weeks and months. Same thing with the football team. Might get some good news after some not-so-great news over the last couple of weeks that is going to do it like we said for those of you who um who have been listening to the free episodes appreciate you listening check out that uh that alex kirshner one we did uh, a couple of weeks ago on the free feed if you haven't listened to it yet if you would like to subscribe six dollars a month sixty dollars a year auburnobserver.com you get another one of these podcasts in the midweek you get all the stories that we've been talking about and uh, they all get sent to your email inbox uh, if you've been listening um for a while you know the spill already um, but you know, as, as my friend Richard Johnson on split zone duo likes to say, every podcast is somebody's first podcast that they're listening to. So we want to, I want to open the door for all, for all of you. And then for those of you in the inner circle, we cannot thank you enough. Thank you for your support. And like painter says, thank you for your greenbacks. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. All right. That'll do it. Uh, we will uh, we will talk to you guys again in the midweek if you are a subscriber, and uh, the rest of y'all we will talk to you next week. Keep in mind what will uh, what will be said over the next couple of weeks and written about about the uh, the transfers and Brian Harson talking and a lot of stuff. The off season rolls on. We we're, we're going we're going to have plenty of stuff coming out out you here at AuburnObserver.com. Painter, final thoughts. The birds calmed down throughout the podcast. They were they were wanting their voices heard at the beginning, but I think you won them over. I've done it. I've done it again. Will you please tell him his hair looks sexy pushed back? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>